you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Last week, we started back in the book of John. We picked right back up where we left off and Troy reminded us about how awesome our God is, that Jesus was able to do this miracle out of the thin air. He made bread and fish appear to tens of thousands of people on a mountainside. And they decided we like this guy because he feeds our stomach. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to grab him and we're going to force him to become our leader so that we get a chance to eat anytime we want. At the end of last week, Troy reminded us that Jesus decided, I'm not going to be that kind of rescuer. I came to rescue you from something much bigger than hunger. I came to rescue you from yourself and from your sin. So Jesus tells his disciples, hey guys, get in a boat. Let's leave the crowd. We need to go across the lake. That's where last week's story leaves off. And this week's story picks up in that boat. I'm going to show you what happens to those disciples who are in that boat. But I want you to picture yourself for just a second, because most of you, this probably wasn't very long ago. When was that last time that you were just simply struggling, trying to keep up? Maybe you're a busy mom and you were walking out of the grocery store with three armfuls of food, but you only have two arms and you're wrestling, trying to get it all there when it spills across the parking lot. Maybe you're in a, in a college class right now and you're doing this group assignment and there's people that aren't putting in their share of the work and you're wrestling and you're struggling and you're thinking to yourself, really? Are you going to bother to join in because you're getting a grade on this? Maybe for you it's at work and you've been working on this project and every day it feels like I'm falling farther and farther behind and I'm not able to catch up and people around me are watching me fail and they're not even bothering to step in. Maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's finances, I don't know what it is. But I wanna remind you of something. Sometimes God lets it get to that point before he steps in. In fact, here's really what I want you to understand about how God works. Sometimes he steps in right away, but sometimes he waits until the last moment. And I need you to know that big problems in your life, the kind that I'm in over my head, there's no way that I can figure this out on my own. Those big problems in life, sometimes God allows those big problems to happen because big problems are the moment where God can show up with big power in a big way. And maybe that's what's going on in your life right now. Do you know that your fears are kind of a mirror to your heart? What you fear is really, really important to you. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of stuff that they make Halloween movies about. I'm not talking about spiders and snakes. I'm talking about the real deep fears that a lot of people deal with, we hang on to. It haunts us for weeks or months. I'm talking about the fear that maybe we're never going to be able to have a baby. I'm talking about the fear that maybe I'm going to lose my job and I'm not going to be able to pay the bills. They don't make movies out of this kind, these kind of fears, but these are the kind of fears that stick with you and hang with you over and over again. And if we're honest, those fears wouldn't be a big deal to us if those things weren't really important. So when we struggle with those things, we're wondering, God, where are you? God, do you care? 
before this sermon is done today, I want to help you figure out how you can handle, hand some of those fears over with, over to God. How you can just simply get them out of your heart because you've given them over to God. In fact, if you've got that mobile app on your phone, I want you to just take it out right now. Go ahead and open it up to the sermon for today because before we're done, I'm going to give you some simple steps on how you can just simply get that stuff out of your heart and hand it over to the only one who can deal with some of those problems in life. We're going to hear the story of Jesus on the water with his disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And there's a couple of things that you're going to notice from John chapter 6 today. One of the things that I really hope you see before this passage is done is that it is always darkest. Look what I did here on the screens. It's a little play on words. It is always darkest before the S-O-N rises. And maybe you're going through some real darkness right now in your world. Maybe you're going through some real darkness in life. Maybe you're in one of those storms where I'm rowing as hard as I can, but I'm not making any progress. And Phil, in fact, it feels like I'm on the river and I'm rowing against the current and every moment I'm getting farther and further behind. I'm not making any progress. That's where Jesus' disciples are when we pick up this story in John chapter 6, starting in verse 16. Here's what the Bible describes. When evening came... Notice what John does with the words darkness and evening here. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. This is the Sea of Galilee, not far from where Jesus just fed the 5,000. And they got into a boat and they started across the Sea of Capernaum. Darkness had already set in. Duh. Hey, John, you've already told us it's night. We don't need you to tell us that it's dark. But I need you to know something about the Bible in the book of John here. John often uses the word night or darkness to describe not just the absence of light. Really, what he's talking about is spiritual evil or spiritual darkness. When he says darkness set in on that sea, he's not just talking about the sun going down. He's talking about these guys in this boat are struggling physically and they're struggling spiritually. Get this, right on the heels of a great miracle of Jesus, now they're struggling physically as well as spiritually. Darkness had already set in, but Jesus had not yet come to him. Because he's on the other side of the sea, and they're making their way to him. And then a high wind arose. And these storms pop out of nowhere in Galilee. This high wind arose, and the seas begin to churn. And these guys are wrestling against the weather right now. I want you to picture in your mind what this would have looked like, because this is a tiny little fishing boat, basically just big enough to hold all 12, all 13 of these guys. And they're now being tossed back and forth on the Sea of Galilee. You need to know that they're about halfway across the see when they get caught in the middle of this storm, which means there's no easy exit. And these guys are starting to get scared. In fact, the Bible makes it really clear for us that they're starting to get scared. If you were to read this story in a few other passages in in the book of Mark or in Matthew, Y'all ever been on an airplane when it starts to make, when it starts to get some turbulence and the people around you start to grab your hand, total stranger, and they're grabbing a hold of your hand because they're freaking out right now? 
Most of us, when you're in a situation like that, you look to the flight attendants. And as long as the flight attendants don't look worried, then most of us are like, mm, maybe it's not that big of a deal. But when the flight attendants start to get scared, everybody on the airplane starts to freak out. Can I remind you, these are professional fishermen that are in a boat at sea and they're freaking out right now, which means if you were there, you would be totally terrified because you know what it takes to freak out professional fishermen? They're on the middle of that boat and they're thinking, y'all, we're going to die in this storm. It is that bad when it gets really dark on that sea. And maybe you've been in one of those storms. Maybe you're going through that kind of storm right now where you're struggling and working as hard as you can and you're rowing with all of your might, but it's not making any difference. The wind is getting worse. The waves are getting bigger and it's not changing. And you're starting to ask yourself, God, do you know what I'm going through right now? Because it really feels like you don't know. And if you know, do you even care? Because I'm struggling or God, I'm scared right now. And that may be the very place where God is trying to lead you so that you can get to this point where you realize, uh-oh, I'm in over my head. Uh-oh, if God doesn't show up, I have no hope. That may be exactly why he's allowing some of those storms to come into your life. There are some times where it gets dark and God just simply allows those difficult times to happen because he wants you to start to look at him. But if we're honest, y'all, sometimes God makes things in life happen to you because he needs to grab your attention and he's about to show up and he's about to show off. But before he does that, I need to get your attention and you're not focused on me. So I'm going to send a storm and it's going to cost you, cause you to focus on me. Those are sometimes what happens to us in our lives. Last weekend, when I was gone, I had the privilege of speaking at a church in Oklahoma. And I was preaching at a church on a Sunday night. They were doing a huge men's event. It had been planned for more than a year. Tons of preparations and plans. And then like Oklahoma in the United States, storms can pop up out of the middle of nowhere. I'm not making this stuff up, y'all. In the middle of the afternoon, Sunday afternoon, the weather channel starts to report, hey, there's a good chance that we're going to have very severe weather. In fact, we may even have a tornado tonight. Many churches around started canceling their services, but this pastor and this church said, we believe God really wants us to go through with this service. So they put on a steak dinner. Listen to this. A thousand men showed up last Sunday night. And right in the middle of this program, this severe storm hit that church at that moment while I'm on stage and I'm telling them who Jesus is. The power went out, the lights went out, the sound went out, the room went completely dark. Now you've got a bunch of guys in the room that immediately pull their phones out and they start using the camera or the light on their phone just to put some light in the room. And it didn't go out for a minute or two. It went out for a long period of time. And I started hearing from the Holy Spirit, this is not just a physical storm. This is spiritual warfare. 
So I started getting loud enough for all 1,000 men in that room to hear my voice. And I said, if you are a Christian, I need you to pray right now for the soul of the guy sitting next to you. Because it may be that there is a very real spiritual battle happening right now for his soul. Don't believe me? Go back and listen to that six-week sermon series that we did on angels and demons. And then I just explained the gospel as clear as I knew how. Several minutes later, the lights came back on. Several minutes after that, the sound came back on. And when I offered the men in the room a chance to pray to receive Christ, to get serious about their relationship with Jesus, or to become a Christian for the first time, listen to this number, y'all. 49 men in that room said, I need Jesus. And that was the moment where 49 men's lives were transformed. But here's what that moment reminded me. God reminded me, Jeff, you don't need screens. You don't need sound. You don't need lights. All you need is my Holy Spirit. And if my Holy Spirit shows up to this room, yeah, you guys can clap. If my Holy Spirit shows up in this boat at sea, if it shows up in that room at that church, if it shows up in your house tonight, that's all that you need to be able to handle the greatest storms in your life. Sometimes God allows it to get dark because he's about to do something awesome in your life, but it's going to have to get real dark before it actually gets better. Now look at what happens after it starts to get dark. These men, these professional fishermen realize, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. And we all better start rowing with all of your might because if you don't, we may not make it to the other side. We may die in this storm tonight. If you've seen the movies that show Jesus walking on the water, they typically miss this scene. They get it completely wrong. See, here's what happens next. When these brothers are scared and fighting against this storm with all of their physical might, John tells us in verse 19, after they had rowed about three or four miles, check this out. They saw Jesus walking on the sea. Now, when you see this in the movies, most of the time the movies make fun of this like it didn't really happen. But when they show you this in the movies, they typically show this nice calm sea with, this, with the moon shining and everything looks beautiful. That's not what we're reading right now, man. The waves are churning, the wind is blowing, and these professional fishermen are scared to death. They're halfway across a sea that is about 20 kilometers wide, and about 12 kilometers long, and these guys are struggling right in the middle of it. And in the middle of it, if you read this story from Mark, Jesus just shows up, and it looks like he's going to kind of walk right by him. And I think these guys are like, really? Are you seriously going to walk by right now while we're struggling against these waves and against this wind? And then listen to what John says next. He was coming near the boat, And these brothers were afraid. And they needed to know, Jesus, do you know what's going on right now? Jesus, if you know, do you care? Maybe this is where you are right now. Because you're wrestling with all of your physical might against some struggles and against some difficulties. And you're wondering, Jesus, do you know what's going on in my world right now? And if you do know, it really feels like you don't care. That's what it felt like for those guys when Mark tells us Jesus is about to walk right by the boat. These guys are wrestling with this storm. They're struggling with all of their might. And they can't make it out of this storm alive I want you to understand 
if you're wrestling with anxiety today, if you're struggling with fear, those may be the moments where God is starting to prepare your heart to help you hand things over that you wouldn't hand over any other way. Maybe he needs you to get really scared for a moment before he steps in and shows you just how big of a God that he is. Because he knows if I don't let you get to this moment where you come to the end of yourself, you're just going to keep rowing your boat as hard as you can and you're trying to make it through life on your own. And y'all, you were never built by God to go through life on your own. Listen, you were created by God to be in relationships, two very important relationships. The most important is that vertical relationship between you and Jesus. But he also created you so that you would be in some horizontal relationships with Jesus' people. That's why every Sunday we talk about you coming to faith in Christ for the first time if you're watching this service. Because we want you to nail that vertical relationship down. But that's why we're nuts about life groups around here because we really believe sometimes the storms of life are so strong, you need another brother or sister in the boat who's going to row with you because you weren't created to handle some of these storms on your own. They were supposed to cause you to lean on other people. If you're not in a life group, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? Why would you go through these storms on your own? See, I want you to see what happens next. Jesus shows up. And it shouldn't be a surprise to the disciples who just watched him make bread and fish appear out of thin air, that he also can suspend the laws of nature and can walk directly across the water. This is the moment where Peter sees him from the boat and says, hey, Jesus, if you can do that, can I do that too? Command me, let me walk across the water. Different passage, same event. Let me tell you how this thing ends. God does something in this moment that blows these guys' minds. In fact, when you're in these hurricane storms, everything else around you starts to become insignificant because all you can focus on is the pain and the problems that you're going through right now. I don't think these guys even remembered why we're in the boat in the first place. All they could think about is, we're going to die in this storm. And that's when Jesus shows up. And he doesn't do one miracle today. He does two. Check this out. Verse 20 and 21. But he, Jesus, said to them, It is I. Don't be afraid. You know what he really said there when he said, It is I? He was using his first name. See, way back in the Old Testament, when God met with Moses in a burning bush back in the book of Exodus, Moses didn't know the God of Israel. And God was about to send Moses back to his people and to tell his people that he was going to deliver them from slavery in Egypt. And Moses said, I don't even know who you are, God. And if I go back and they ask me, how am I supposed to describe you? God, I don't even know your name. And God tells Moses his first name. God says, Moses, my name is I am. I was and I always will be. You go back and tell the people of Israel that the great I am has heard their cries and is about to step in and intervene in their problems. When Jesus walks by on the water, he tells them, don't be afraid, I am. The one who you have heard about 
on the burning bush in the book of Exodus, the God of heaven and earth, the one who created the seas and so certainly has the ability to walk across them on dry land. I am now intervening in your circumstances. And some of you in there need to know God is about to step in and intervene in your circumstances also. He says, really, don't be afraid. I am. And they were willing to take him into the boat. The Bible tells us in other passages, they were so afraid. They thought he was a ghost. They were so afraid that they were freaking out that they were going to die. Not because of the storm anymore. Now we're freaking out by the thing that we see or the person that we see walking on the water. They take him in the boat. Look at what the Bible says next. The second miracle in one passage. And at once, the boat's not in the middle of the ocean anymore. Now the boat's on the other side of the shore where they were originally heading in the first place. You see, what God just did for them is not just demonstrate the power of his son Jesus and his ability to walk on water, but he took the real reason that they were wrestling against the storm in the first place and took it away and brought them right to the other side. And sometimes when God intervenes in your life, he will do it in such a way that you didn't even expect it. You didn't think that it was about to happen that way. Sometimes he's going to surprise you in ways that he intervenes. Sometimes it's going to be awesome. And sometimes if we're, awesome, uh, if we're honest, it'll be a little bit terrifying when God steps in and intervenes. And I want you today, here's my challenge, before we get ready to go to God's table and to commune with him and take a meal with him, I want you to be willing to leave the greatest challenges of your life at the feet of Jesus. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, Jeff, that's really easy to say. But what you're actually asking me to do is to place hope, real hope, in a God that I can't see, in a God that I can't touch. And if it was that easy to do, I would have done it a long time ago. Here's what I I think I, I need to do for you. I was praying for you, was thinking about this this week. I was thinking some of you, are struggling with this because you just don't know how. So right there in your phone, right there in that mobile app, I want to give you five very simple to do, very simple to understand, but not easy to do steps on how do I just turn over the biggest problems, my greatest anxiety, my biggest fears to God. And here they are, step number one. There's some blanks that you can fill in right there in that mobile app. The first step, is that you're going to have to admit, I can't fix my problems. As long as those fishermen in that boat felt like we can handle this storm, we can get to the other side, they're never going to see God work in the way that he showed up on that sea. And as long as you feel like I can handle my problems all on my own, he's not going to step in and he's not going to work in your life. It's when you get desperate that he says, now, We can do business. Now I can step in and I can intervene in your life because you finally got to the end of yourself and now you're willing to look to me. And I want you to just quickly, easily admit when you're not good enough to fix your own problems. The longer that it takes you to admit that, the more difficult it has to get before God steps in and God intervenes. Here's step number two. Sometimes you're asking yourself, 
I don't even know if God knows what's going on in my life. It feels like he is a billion miles away from me right now. And I need you to trust that God really does know. I need you to trust that Jesus is aware of what's happening in your life, even if it's not going away overnight, because he doesn't always act on your timeline. He acts on his timeline. And just because it's not going away right away doesn't mean that he doesn't know. So first you have to say, God, I can't fix my own problems. Secondly, you have to say, God, I believe that you know everything, so certainly you know what's going on in my life. And third is just very natural. If you know what's going on in my life, God, do you care enough to intervene? Because I believe that you have all power, and I believe that you know what's going on, but nothing is changing. God, I'm starting to wonder, do you love me? Or do you love the lady that I'm reading about on social media more? Because you did a miracle in her life. And I'm asking for you to do the same miracle in my life. And I'm not seeing it. So does that mean you don't love me? Church, please look up here. Just because life got hard does not mean that God is mad at you. Just because you're going through some suffering right now, look up here for just a second. It doesn't mean that God hates you and that he's taking something out on you. It may be that he is preparing the circumstances so that he can step in and intervene. And I need you to know that he is aware and that he cares about his children. But now this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where it gets hard because this is the point where you're going to have to allow Jesus to take over. And the way that you do that is by you leaving it at his feet and walking away and saying, I can't fix it. Only you can. And if you're like me, that step is really, really hard to do. Because I'm the kind of guy who likes to think I can fix a lot of problems on my own. And getting myself to the moment where I realize I really can't fix it Jesus, I need you to fix it. And not only do I need you to fix it, but here it is. I'm going to walk away from this problem. It's totally up to you now. That, for me, is a really, really hard step. Please hear this. You don't get to step five. You don't pass go. You don't collect $200. That's a Monopoly board game if you don't come from our country. You don't pass go. You don't collect $200 until you get to this step. And this step is not easy. This step is the final, is the last step that gets you to the point where you assume that things will not work out the way that I expect them to. God, if you're intervening and you really are God, which means you can do anything, here's how I would like things to turn out, but I'm placing it in your hands, which means they may not turn out the way that I want them to turn out. I'm going to really trust you that even if they don't turn out the way I want them to, they're going to turn out the way you want them to, and that would be better than the way I want them to. How many of you in this room would say, that right there is a struggle for me? Because I want to tell God, not only I need your help, but here's what I need you to do, here's when I need you to do it, and here's how I need you to do it, God, and let me know when you're done. Just shoot me a text when everything is done, would you? When God steps in, with godlike power and godlike wisdom, chances are it may not turn out the way you want it to. And I'm asking you, Christian, you got to be okay with that. You got to be okay that if it doesn't turn out the way I want it to, I believe that God is good enough 
big enough that it will still turn out okay for me. Even if it's not the way I thought it was going to turn out. I think some of us in this room, this right here today is where you are right now. For some of you today, this is where you've been for a long, long time. And I don't want you to stay there. So I want to say a prayer for you. I want to say a prayer for me that if you're wrestling with one of these five or all five of these things, that in just a moment, you would lay it at the feet of Jesus and say, here it is. I can't fix it, Jesus. I'm placing it there. I'm walking away. And I'm admitting it may not end the way that I think it would or the way that I even want it to. But I believe that you're a good God. And if you intervene, it'll all be okay. Let's just pray together. Father, here's our heart. And you have a chance to look inside and to see our fears and our anxieties. And you know when we're struggling, just like Jesus watched the disciples struggling in the boat on the water for minutes or perhaps hours before he shows up and he intervenes in two very powerful miracles. Well, God, you know the struggles that we're going through. And I really wish that you would step in and you would intervene immediately before it gets difficult. But you often don't do that. Sometimes you wait until it's really bad because you want to show up in a big way and actually show us your power. And we would never be able to see it if it didn't get this dark, if it didn't get this bad. So God, I'm praying for a sister right now who's wrestling with anxiety. I'm praying for a brother right now who's pulling as hard as he can against the oars, but he's not making any headway. He's only getting farther and further behind. God, would you help them this to be the moment where they simply say, I can't fix these problems anymore, and I was never really designed to fix them on my own. In fact, I believe you created me to be in a relationship with you. And you also want me to be in a relationship with other people. So why am I trying to go through these problems all on my own? And maybe somebody is getting to the moment where they're wrestling against their sin and they're realizing, I can't escape from who I am. I can't make my past go away. I have sinned. I have broken a relationship with a holy God. I am no longer acceptable in his sight. And God, I'm sorry. God, I'm asking you to forgive me. God, I'm asking you to do a miracle inside of my soul. Would you clean me up? Would you change me? Would you make me into a new person? Father, I'm pleading the words of Scripture over them right now that if somebody is coming to you in a sincere prayer and they're offering their soul to you and their sins and their mistake, I'm praying Romans 10, 13 over them that you would hear from heaven and that you would change them because they're calling out to you in faith. But God, I'm also praying for my sisters and brothers because sometimes we like to think, I like to think, that I can handle my problems on my own. And today is a very powerful reminder. You didn't create me to handle things on my own. You created us to be in a relationship with you and to admit we need you. And for brothers and sisters that are struggling with fear and anxiety and suffering and difficulties right now, would you give them the grace to place it in your hands and to walk away and to leave it there? Believing that you are a good enough God that you can step in, you can intervene, and you can move in very powerful ways if we will just get out of our own way and allow you to work. So God, would you work right now? Work very powerfully in the lives of your people. 
and we'll give you all the credit for it. We won't take any credit for what happens next. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.